Chet Holmgren returns to the floor and dominates, but is he the next great NBA villain? Jalen Williams looked like the best player on the floor, and Trey Mann had a big bounce back. We'll talk about it all on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, Thunderpod at gmo.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. We're recapping the Thunder's first Summer League game of the summer with Chet Holmgren returning to the court. Trey Mann is cash and checks. Jay Will looks much improved and Jay Dub dominates as expected. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. You can even text the show 405-963-3686. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. It felt great to have basketball back on the television, seeing the Oklahoma City Thunder play basketball, and it felt like a pretty real game because there were so many actual Thunder players on the court. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out for Salt Lake City with an ankle sprain. Keontae Johnson is out for Salt Lake City with a hamstring injury. Pretty telling there of just kind of how severe this is. Hopefully they can get on the floor in Vegas, but they're not going to play in Salt Lake City. Hopefully it's not serious at all, but they're not going to play in Salt Lake City, according to Joe Mazzato and the Thunder. So for the Jazz, they're also dealing with injuries. Taylor Hendricks and Bryson Spall were both out as well. But the big story around this game was Chet Holmgren. After having to set out a full year due to that, that foot injury. He returns to the floor where he made his NBA debut at Summer League in Salt Lake City last year, and he looked really good. And the box score doesn't even do his game justice. Like, sure, Chet Holmgren had a very slow start in the first half. He looked a little bit rusty in the first quarter, I should say. He looked a little bit rusty. He looked like he was trying to learn to kind of trust his body again, although he did say after the game that, you know, if you would have erased his memory, men in black style, you, you, you would have, he would have not known that he even had a foot injury. He felt so good on the court, which is a great sign, but his shots were a bit short in the first quarter, a little bit clunky in the first quarter, but ultimately he snapped out of it. He played 29 minutes of a 40 minute game. He scored 15 points going 43% from the floor, nine rebounds, two assists and four blocks a plus 13 in this game. Chet Holmgren, Adds so much to the Thunder. Defensively, the four blocks and and the rim protection immediately jump out to you. This was his first game back in competitive basketball, and he had four blocks and looked incredibly good on the defensive end, keeping up with other NBA athletes. That's very hard to do in your first game back. But beyond the defense, 
beyond the nine rebounds, beyond the four blocks, what jumped off the page, jumped off the screen, Chet Holmgren went 0 for 1 from 3. And I point that out because despite going 0 for 1 from 3, defenders still bit on every pump fake from beyond the arc from Chet Holmgren, and they still attacked him too strong on closeouts whenever he caught the ball on the perimeter. And that set up such an advantage for Chet, such an advantage for Oklahoma City, that that gravity, that spacing is going to do wonders for the Thunder. Whenever you add this into regular season basketball, that threat of Chet Holmgren popping a three is very real. And so even on a night where he goes 0 for 1 from 3, it's because they were attacking him so hard out there that he just dribbled in. Being able to put the ball on the deck, being able to kind of put your defender in a pretzel of what do you do? Because if you don't attack him strong out there, he'll shoot the 3. If you do, he's not one-dimensional. He's not. He, he can actually play make a bit and dribble inside and pass the ball and keep the offense going. That just his being... His body being out on the court opens up so much both offensively and defensively. And so despite the slow first quarter, he kept coming, he kept playing well, and he broke out. And he was able to string together a really impressive game. Now, I don't care what competition you're playing in an organized basketball game for the first time in a year, it's it's going to... You know, it's going to be impressive whenever you put up what Chet did in this game. Whenever you look at Chet Holmgren, too, another thing that stood out in this game was the fact that the Thunder gave up 42 points in the paint, but the Jazz labored to get those 42 points. The Thunder won the rebounding battle. Like He instantly helps you in so many areas including shooting the ball despite going one for one, like we mentioned with the gravity. But Patrick Beverly went on his podcast, the Pat Bev podcast, last week, and he talked about Chet Holmgren. He talked about the mentality Chet Holmgren plays with, the fact that guys are going to attack Chet Holmgren, and Chet Holmgren's going to be able to get past that, push past that, and just continue to come at guys. And that's what happened here. Chet Holmgren was attacked by every Jazz player on the roster. Like, the Jazz went after him and went after him and went after him. He had a bunch of no calls against him. And I don't say that to to bemoan the refs. I say that as in guys were playing extremely physical with Chet Holmgren. You could tell that these guys wanted to send Chet Holmgren a message. And so as they're attacking him, both offensively and defensively, it just never phased Chet Holmgren. He just kept on keeping on and playing his game. He didn't get out of sorts. And eventually, he came out on top. Even the fans were chanting overrated at Chet Holmgren. A game in which the Thunder won convincingly. At one point, we're up by 27 points where he scored 15 points, nine rebounds, two assists, and four blocks. It was a plus 13. And fans were chanting overrated in a summer league game. For some reason, people hate Chet Holmgren. I don't know why. I don't know what he's ever done, but people hate him. 
and he's under a microscope. Every time he tries to take a charge, people are going to clip it out, only show you him on the floor in his opposition at the bucket, and make all the corny jokes about how small he is. Even whenever he's down, even whenever he's up 20, the opponent is down 20, and they finally score over him, they're going to do the too small stuff and, 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 and kind of uh, celebrate on him because this is their Super Bowl. Micah Potter, really good G League player. This is his Super Bowl. Kenny Lofton, really good tweener G League player that maybe can contribute to the NBA, but probably not. That was his Super Bowl. Wednesday night is his Super Bowl. For some reason, the fans love to hate Chet Holmgren. The players like to hate Chet Holmgren, but he continues to rise above so far on these, on these little data points that we're getting, even dating back to college, of course. So he has the chance to be the next great NBA villain. If he can pan out, if he can be what we think he can be on the court, that hate off the court will only grow. And he seems to really embrace that. He seems to really like when you chant overrated, whenever you, whenever you do the too small celebration, even after, by the way, you got dunked on in the first half and you were down 20-something points. So, for whatever reason, guys don't like Chet Holmgren. And this is their Super Bowl. Playing him in, in Salt Lake City in July is the biggest moment of their basketball lives. And so far, he's always came out on top. We'll see... That trend continue, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how you you gel all this together. Going back to his on-the-court game, though, had some really nice passes, some really nice touch on his passes. That step-through move was insane. It was awesome to see him score that way. But I want to point out, for all of these highlights we're running down with Chet Holmgren, for, for how good he's played tonight, even after that slow first quarter, he did this without a true setup man. So just as he makes life easier, Josh Giddy and Shea will make his life easier too. It's going to be this perfect harmony of, of Chet alleviating pressure from the Thunder, but also, as good as he was tonight, he'll look even better as he did last year with Josh Giddy with, with actual playmakers. No offense to Trey Mann or, or J-Dub or anyone else, but it, it's it, there's no bones about it. Josh and Shea are much better playmakers for the players. So I am just overly excited to see what this can be in the regular season. To see what, what Chet Holmgren can bring to this team in the regular season. Because he continues to check the boxes in Summer League. Speaking of checking boxes, J-Dub checked a lot of boxes. Trey Mann, cash checks, and J-Will. At an underrated game. We'll talk about it all coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. But first, I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. Prize Picks is awesome. Prize Picks makes watching games so much more fun. Why is that? I'll tell you. Because when you go to prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app, you can use promo code Locked on and get a 100% deposit match up to $100. When you do that, you can play Prize Picks. What Prize Picks is, is it's just you the projected numbers. So you're not playing anyone who has this unfair advantage over you because of how much they study and, and look over these numbers and stuff. What you're doing is you're just playing the projections. And so you sit down, you pick two to six players, and you project whether they score more or less than their prize pick projections. And you can win 25 times your money on any entry. So on Wednesday, you can say, hey, I think Chet Holmgren will score more than 12 and a half points. I think that Usman Jang will break out and score more than eight and a half points. 
And if you're able to combine all that together and those things come true, boom, you're a winner. It's simple as that. It's just you versus projections. And so they have every sport. They have NBA, NFL, MLB, NFL, uh, NHL, PGA, college football, men and women's college basketball, WNBA, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, cricket, and more. Check it out today at prizepicks.com. Use the PrizePicks app and use the code Locked On. You're going to get 100% instant deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. On tomorrow's show, we're answering your mailbag questions. Monday is usually mailbag day, but we had a preview summer league today. Of course, we have to recap this first summer league game. Wednesday, I'm going to get you your questions. So drop them below and drop them on Twitter. So drop them below on YouTube in the comments. Drop them on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And we are going to answer your questions. And having seen the Thunder play, I'm sure you have many more questions about this team than you did on Sunday. So Trey Mann cashes checks. I, I mentioned this yesterday in, in what to watch for in summer league. Trey Mann is, is in for a big summer league. The roster crunch is going to be real. There's going to be pressure on Trey Mann all summer long and all training camp long. And I think people have, have written off Trey Mann. I would advise you not to do that. Uh, I think that he's going to legitimately have a shot to uh, make the team come training camp. Now, not to say he's going to make the team, but he's going to have a shot to uh, make the team. And, and this is a first good step in that process. He looked locked in. He looked confident and he cast those checks. What, what that is, is like last year, the struggle with Trey Mann was the ball in the rim. Everything leading up to the ball getting to the rim looked good. The step backs looked good. Creating separation looked good. Getting to the rim looked good. But the ball didn't go in the hoop. The pumpkin didn't go in the patch. The checks bounced. But today... The checks didn't bounce. And, and and I can hear you already clamoring on Twitter and on the YouTube comment section saying, well, it's just Summer League. No, 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 my friend. Trey Mann didn't play well in Summer League last year. Like, Trey Mann's really not particularly played well in any Summer League he's played in. So it's not as though Trey Mann is just this Summer League killer, right? Like, like he's struggled in this environment before in certain games and in certain aspects of his, of his game. Tonight, he played a really good all-around game. At the crack of daylight, he was able to score had some really good touch, had the dunk of the year on July 3rd. Stealing the inbound and and slamming it home. Like, you're not going to see a better dunk than that, I don't think, all year. And with Trey Mann, that's been an impressive part of his game, by the way. No dunks in college, and he's only had 10 in the NBA, but he's had numerous posters with those 10. Well, Trey Mann, he scores 20 points. Seven rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block, four for eight from the floor, 46% from beyond the arc. And he played with that edge about him. And at times it's looked like Trey's lack confidence. At times it looks like Trey has been a bit sloppy, but not today, not tonight. He was fighting for that gig. He was fighting for that spot. And as a former former first-round pick, you're going to get more leeway. You're going to get more credence. You're going to get more rope. So this does go a long way. This does mean something for Trey Mann. So will the preseason, so will training camp, and et cetera. A plus 10 tonight looked really good doing it. So shout out to Trey Mann 
First box is ticked. What does he do Wednesday? Let's see. Speaking of checking boxes, though, J-Dub, Jalen Williams. Look, he's way too good for Summer League. We know that. But this is a testament to him for wanting to play, just as it was for Josh Giddy last summer. And, and, you know, Doc Rivers, Popovich, like all these guys publicly and also privately around the NBA have talked about how much that that stood out to them, that Josh Giddy wanted to play in Summer League last year, even though he had a, a, a rookie season where he didn't need to, and how much he wanted to, to play in Summer League and help gel and help grow with Chet and with this team. And that, that really caught the attention of the NBA. J-Dub is doing the same thing. And not only did he want to play in Summer League, he was obviously the best player on the court. Like, there was no doubt about that. Trey Mann was the, I mean, I'm sorry, J-Dub was the best player on the court tonight. And so the reaction to this has been kind of weird. I know it's like fun to joke about and like mainly NBA discourse is about getting the jokes off, but it's really cool that that, that, that Jalen Williams wanted to play in summer league. It's really cool that he wanted to do this and that he is, he is playing so well and he's living up to expectations and he is so good. The two main pushbacks I've seen is one injury concern. Folks, if J-Dub wasn't playing in Salt Lake City, he's also not just going to sit in his house all day and play 2K. These guys are going to play basketball. Every NBA player is playing basketball right now. They just might not be doing it in Salt Lake City. And you can get hurt anytime you play basketball for a workout, for a for some little light shooting, for some drills, uh, or for some you know pro-am games or whatever. Look at Chet Holmgren last year. So the injury concerns I don't care about. You're, you're liable to get hurt anytime you step on the basketball floor. Guys have been hurt walking around their house, by the way. D'Angelo Hall comes to mind. But I digress. The injury concern to me is not there. Because he's going to be playing basketball anyway. It's not as though he's going to be taking the whole you know, offseason off. And then the second concern has been a weird one to me, even weirder than injury concern, about development. Oh, why is he there taking away development? He's not taking away anything. Like, who who would you rather see tonight than J-Dub? Because he, his minutes impacted zero Thunder-rostered players. In fact, he made them better on the court, and they all got enough minutes and attention. So, are you just dying to see Tanner Groves? Are you dying to see Jemias Ramsey? And that's no shade at them, but, but furthermore, J-Dub's not going to play all the way through Salt Lake City and all the way through Vegas. Like, now, I would imagine he's only going to play in Salt Lake City. Maybe a game in Vegas. But pretty soon, sooner than you think, we're not going to see J-Dub anymore in Summer League. So this game doesn't hurt anything about development. And it also doesn't give any concern for injury. More so than what you're already going to see whenever guys are going to be playing basketball all summer. But in this game, he does score 21 points, two assists, three steals, a block, seven rebounds, three for five from three. Really good stroke from three. 57% from the floor, 21 minutes played, only two turnovers. He was insanely good, insanely effective too. 57% from the floor as a guy who uh, was the prominent go-to score. Like in the first quarter, he was like the only guy that scored. Him and Jable were the only guys that scored pretty much uh, in that first quarter. So like, it is going to be interesting to watch J-Dub develop. Because last year, people could put, could pick apart his efficiency, but it's remained that way. Every opportunity he's he's had both last year as a rookie and now this year in summer league to be the focal point of the offense. Like he's just an efficient basketball player. He's just ex- extremely good. And he did his job. You know, the two things I want to see from him on yesterday's podcast, be the best player on the floor. Check. Be more aggressive as a go-to bucket getting score. Check. And that's all you can ask for. 
from J-Dub. And Trey Mann did his job as well. Coming up, let's talk J-Will. Let's talk Usman Jang, who struggled a bit. Is that concerning at all? And some non-Thunder rostered players that I think were important to highlight. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode, including on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles and at Hello Thunder Pod. And for your next listen, check out Locked on NBA for the big picture of the league. So Jay Will, I think he's going to have a pretty underrated summer league. Like he, he scored eight points, 13 rebounds, three assists, and three charges drawn. He is really good at contesting shots. Like I know he doesn't get the, the high block numbers, but he's really good at contesting shots. Even whenever guys try to like a Euro step around his charges, his footwork is incredible. Like a guy's try to Euro step around his charges and he just slides his feet, gets in position and tries to deter the shot at the rim without, without drawing a blocking foul, like without getting charged with a blocking foul. That's been really impressive to watch that. And, and his box outs and, and rebounds were, were awesome as well. And then he pulled off another acrobatic layup like he did in Philly in the regular season. But Jagle was really good. He was really good in this game. Usman Jang was on the flip side of that. He just couldn't really get it going. I will say he tried to be more aggressive, like he tried to um, stick his nose in a bit more than usual. But one for 11 from the floor, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block, four rebounds. It was a tough one. Uh, you know, in general, for Usman Jang, you just got to kind of turn around and try it again on Wednesday. There's not really much else to say besides that. I don't think it's overly concerning either way with these guys in Summer League, but... Bruce Jang, you know, you hope that he can get it going here sooner rather than later. One guy that had a really good game was Jaden uh, was Jaden Shackelford, and watching him play with the blue, he he translated that to summer league. Now you can argue that the, that the G League in the regular season is a much better environment than summer league in terms of competitiveness, but still, it was nice to see him uh, do exactly what it is in the G League, only for the Thunder in summer league. Three for seven shooting, including a four point play from beyond the arc. Uh, four for 10 from the floor, five rebounds, an assist to steal 11 points. He looked smooth. He looked good. Um, we'll see if he's going to vie for one of those three, one of those two-way deals. There's three of them, but OKC has two left because they gave one to Kathy Johnson. Another guy who looked good that could possibly be on a two-way deal would be uh, Hunter, would be Hunter Matanato, the undrafted free agent from Wyoming. He's really old. He's played six years in college, so it's no surprise that he looked mature and he looked very comfortable out there on the floor. Six points on 66% shooting. He just kind of gelled. Six points, five rebounds, two assists, a steal. In 12 minutes, he was really impactful, and, and he fit in with what OKC is trying to do on the court. So that's impressive. And again, the Thunder have two open two ways, and to, to make him a priority in this game uh, might be a signifier for in the future. The Thunder did work him out pre-draft and you know, liked what they saw, obviously, to bring him in for Summer League. Jared Butler, my guy. I love Jared Butler. I love watching him play. That reverse layup was just chef's kiss in this game. 10 points, a rebound, an assist, a steal, five turnovers, one for four from three in 19 minutes. I just want to point out, he's a two-way hopeful still. Like I know that people kind of get confused when they see Jared Butler on the court and know he was on a two-way deal last year that he's already on one. He's not. Thunder only have one two-way deal signed right now, and that is with Keontae Johnson. So Jared Butler is still fighting to get back on the two-way contract, but I will say the organization really likes Jared Butler. I I would hope that he's on a two-way deal uh, going into next year as well, but he's got to prove it in summer league. Pretty good first step 
in that, but some things to clean up for Jared Butler moving forward. So how did the Thunder win this game? There are four lead changes, two times tied. OKC once led by 27 points. Utah never led by more than one point. The Thunder won the rebounding battle 56 to 55. OKC had five more turnovers than Utah, but still won pretty convincingly. OKC lost points in the paint 42-38, but they won second chance points and fast break points. OKC shot 43-41-70. and This is the Thunder defense. Utah shot 38% from the floor, 26% from three, and 57% at the free throw line. The Thunder uh, won bench points by 10. Both teams had five players in double figures. The MVP of this game is J-Dub. Of course, Chet deserves a huge uh, highlight, and that's why he led the show off, but J-Dub was just incredible in this game, just sensational in this one. I do want to point out that the Thunder uh, did have David Akinyoye as their head coach for this one. Unsure if he's going to be the head coach for both sessions, although Mark did tell me um, at the rookie introductory press conference that they're going to split David and, and Cam Woods, so we'll see if in Vegas Cam takes over or if they're just going to let David Akinyoye figure it out and kind of uh, write it out in all of Summer League. I will say, um, he was really good in this game as a coach, especially whenever the Thunder dried up in the fourth quarter. You could see the Thunder playing a bit tight, turning the ball over, playing a little a little sloppy. And he, he called his timeouts well. He studied the waters really well for OKC. And eventually the lead swelled back up in around two minutes where the game was over yet again. But he handled the storm really well on the sidelines. MVP of the game again is J-Dub. Up next, we're going to do your mailbag questions. So all the questions you have, drop them below on YouTube. Drop them on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.